Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is fucking killing me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Hello. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Um, How's everybody doing today? I'm feeling happier. I'm feeling, yeah, yeah, I mean, apparently, supposedly, things are going to be opening up a little bit again on the 31st. I'm ready, guys. I'm just ready to, like, do anything that isn't just work-related, you know? mm, You know what I mean? Totally, totally. I'm also, like, it's been, I mean, if we're opening on 31st, which I'm thankful for, fingers crossed, it kind of just feels like it was January, just like an extended break. Yeah. I think that that is fine, and I'm ready to go back, and that's it. That's all I needed. Yeah. We'll guide, glide through this cold dark winter together and yep. then it'll be spring and then we're there and then we'll be great everything will be fine and normal <laughs> and happy yeah. and dandy yeah <laughs> I don't know if you guys have noticed but Corinne is uh I don't know if she thinks that she lives in LA now but she does yoga every day and isn't <laughs> drinking for two months so <laughs> she just has this air of better than me no <laughs> better than everybody else <laughs> to her <laughs> I am doing yoga every day so that I don't go fucking crazy mm-hmm. and I It was mostly because I was like, I don't know, in the last like two years, like pre-pandemic, I was teaching like six to eight classes of bar a week. I was in at least like one rehearsal a week, you know, for a couple hours. I was serving two or three times a week. Like I was always busy and moving around. And like, even if I wasn't dancing full time, I was like moving my body a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I went from doing that to doing nothing. And my body changed a lot. And in some ways I was like fine with that. And in some ways I wasn't fine with that. And I really noticed like just not being able to focus or to sleep or, you know, being like, I don't like, I'm really trying hard not to be like, oh, I want to be skinny. I want to be fit. I want to look a certain way because I think that's like a really unachievable goal because it's, it's based in like an ideal that like, when I look at back at myself, like even five or six years ago, I'm like, wow, I was so skinny. Like, like that's an unachievable goal because I'm now almost 30, mm-hmm. right? Bodies change, especially with age, especially being mm-hmm. women. And I just want to feel like good in my body. And so I'm just trying to do things that help me with that. So doing an hour of yoga in my apartment every day is just like moving my body a little bit, you know? Mm. And I'm trying really hard to not be be like I just want to be skinny or I just want to be hot or those things because that's like it's not helpful yeah you know and it's not helpful in the sense of like it's not helpful to like my mental health or to like how I view myself because that's like always going to be an unattainable goal because like even if I get somewhere it's gonna be like what's the next thing mm-hmm. you know of course, and yeah. I'm mostly not drinking because I found it like didn't help like I wasn't sleeping well I was like really concerned with the casualness of it like I'd have a glass of wine every day after I came home from work or every time that I cooked and it was just like the casualness of like half a bottle of wine every day or like a full bottle of wine you know was just mm-hmm. like that's like that's like casually that's like a almost like a functioning alcoholic level that I don't like need to have mm-hmm. totally know? And I find it's just like really, especially really hard in the restaurant industry, especially around the holidays, you know, December Mm -hmm. was really like, there was a lot of drinking in December. Totally. Yeah. There always is. Yeah. Always. December's really hard for like a month like that. And so I was like, you know what? I think 
I can go cold turkey until my birthday, which is February 27th. Mm-hmm. And then Rob was like, you know what? Maybe you should give yourself a little bit of leeway because that's like really tough. And like, mm-hmm. you don't need to, like, you don't have an addiction problem. You don't need to go cold turkey. And like, I think you should think about like the context in which you enjoy drinking. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, having a nice bottle of wine with a nice meal once a week is fine. You know, mm-hmm. having, um, you know, and it's the context around like drinking, right? Like I don't need a glass of wine to unwind that for work. I don't right. need to drink because I'm not feeling great. Like sad and depressed because we're back in January and back in lockdown, basically, you know, mm-hmm. those are the kind of things you don't need to do. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't really drank since New Year's Eve. Yeah. And we did put one on on New Year's Eve. We so. did do. And you know what? That was the perfect way. You know, I didn't yes. really wake up hungover. I just like was tired because we yeah. didn't up till six in the morning. <laughs> was it? Was it? <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, friend. I was asleep at 12.01. <laughs> right. As soon as we did the countdown, we all found our spot on the couch and went to bed. I immediately <laughs> was like, one cup of sleepy time tea extra, please. <laughs> 12 that's a joke that definitely didn't happen uh yeah it was a wild wild new year's eve yeah but it was fun because it was just like us and like mm-hmm. a couple of close friends and we just stayed in it was really nice yeah we like listened to live music in our in my backyard yeah it was great we were outside it wasn't that cold had those heaters going amazing mm. yeah so i was just like what are things that i can control that'll like be better for me on a daily basis and not so much like goal orientated you know or like lose 20 pounds or whatever that is because or eat better like what does that mean you know yeah totally yeah totally that's all yeah and we I mean this is actually like the perfect thing talking going into this episode today because Landon is so open and wonderful Mm -hmm. talking about his um his struggles with um addiction and substances and everything yeah yeah and how it like relates to career in the arts you know totally which I thought was an interesting and cool conversation yeah but I didn't ask how you how you are Rainy. I'm good yeah, yeah. I uh I'm taking a different approach <laughs> January <laughs> I, what are you doing <laughs> what am I doing <laughs> what is your approach right now my approach was to, well, if we're talking about yesterday where I didn't eat and I drank just Guinness all day, not <laughs> a meal in itself. <laughs> no. Basically eating. No, I mean, we've talked about our own, uh, like, uh, in terms of like drinking, I am really, I don't casually drink at all, mm-hmm. which can be an issue, but it's how I control it. So I really try and save my drinking for the nights that I'm going to, or like a weekend or a day that I'm going to drink with my friends. Yeah. Because I am a Aries <laughs> and I am a all or nothing, hundred all or nothing type of gal. <laughs> and, um, which I mean, have your opinions about that as you, as you want. But for me, I just, I try not to drink. Uh, right. if I'm not going to drink and I won't even have a glass of wine if it's just one um and I will try and save that for the weekends or when I'm with my friends yeah and I do fall off the beaten path on that sometimes <laughs> but I just try my best of course <laughs> um also I'm excited to be going back to teaching I'm yeah like ready 
um, to move my body and be dancing and it's application season. So get those applications in my friends. We had like a month to do things. Let's get it going, get it rolling. If you don't feel like you want to apply for anything, also don't apply for anything. It's up to you. Totally. Um, oh, I guess like open space is back this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're doing something a little different along with the application. They also have where they're calling them bursaries to go with them. Uh-huh. So give, if you get the spot for free rehearsal studio, you also get a little bit of a bursary, which is cool. I think you, there's a possibility that you could get a bursary. I don't know if they've confirmed that it's everybody that gets a spot. Oh, okay. I was, I was a little bit misconfused when I read the, when the red thing, but maybe you're right, Corinne. I could be wrong. I mean, I just scanned the application. Yeah. I didn't really like do a deep dive. I was like, could I apply for this in a day? And then I kind of read through it and I was like, do you even have a thing you want to work on? And then I was like, no. Right. And then I closed the tab. Right. Right. <laughs> Did one of those like spirals. <laughs> yeah. Just slow spiral. Yeah. I was like, um, the should the I should apply, but the thing is like, do I have anything to apply with or anything that I'm interested in applying with? Does it matter though? No, it doesn't. Submit something. True. I mean, who knows? How work changes in that week. It, Anyway, apply if you want to apply. If you are nervous about applying, still do it. Don't let your fear of not knowing make you not do it. That's a good point. Good. Um, There's also something I wanted to give a little like, did you know that CATA East launched a caregiver subsidiary pilot program? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I was like, who's she? I thought she was asking everybody. I didn't realize you were asking specifically me, even though I'm the only person (laughs) You're the only person that can like I did not um, know sorry yeah so similar to their like training subsidiary program to the yeah. pilot program but um Cata East is teaming up with Balancing Act to undergo a caregiver subsidiary pilot program to all members of Cata East the pilot program runs for three months February 1st to April 30th 2022 participants will be asked to share information about their individual needs as an artist caregiver so if you need help with childcare, if you need help because you take care of a family member or a dependent, all of those things, uh, we will re- reimburse you $7 per hour with a max of $100 per month to help with caregiving costs. And we will continue until April, April 30th or until funds run out. So hmm. yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like also really love that it's called the caregiver rather than like childcare because totally. you know, caregiving comes in many forms. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Balancing Act is a program, is a company that aims to create increased equity, accessibility, and inclusions for parents and caregivers working in the performing arts. Yeah. yeah. And there's been such like a big conversation about this, um, specifically from a childcare standpoint. Mm-hmm. Tracy Norman wrote a beautiful article for the Dance Current about it. Um, I know Kathleen Ray has been talking about it a lot. Um, lots of people in the dance world, moms and parents and dads yeah. and everyone who who really there is like seems to be like a gap for caregiving totally even like all of a sudden we're artists and we don't have to care about anybody else except for ourselves you know but even like when we interviewed Megan Hamilton and she talked Mm -hmm. about being a mom and a musician and how you know she was trying to apply to fusion you know to make her next album or whatever and she's like I don't have two years behind me because I was being a mom yeah you know I don't have the the materials that they request you know yeah Yeah. And uh, I mean, as a woman who will eventually have kids, it's nice to see that these programs are being put into place now so that when that happens, it's, it feels like there's a little bit more care into it. Great. Totally. Um, on this note though, we have 
Lending. wonderful, sweet. We, okay. I want you guys to let us know. We want Landon to come back because. <laughs> did you fall in love? I did fall in love, I think. <laughs> I did. I get like, Corinne will attest. This happens I... once a quarter, I will. <laughs> I, again, this is like an all or nothing. This is such a fucking stupid Aries thing. I like will see someone on the street and be like, I'm in love with this person. Um, so, and once a quarter I do, I, we have always have a guest and I'm always like, I think I am in love with them. <laughs> and like, it'll be, it's always like a zoom interview. Usually. It's, it's true. It's never in person, which is very strange. <laughs> And like, I don't know if that just is like, says something about like, yeah, I don't know what it says, but anyway, yes, I love Landon. Like they're also just amazing. Yeah. Landon's amazing. Mm-hmm. So on that note, I guess this is the first episode we're recording in the new year. So I think we can just like get right into asking. Oh my God. What an honor. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our first guest of 2022. I love that. Oh my mm. gosh. Wow. Yeah, cool. <laughs> How, thank you. How, how are you feeling with this uh, third, third, you said you were getting better at lockdown. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting better at lockdown. Um, it's weird. I just have a lot of like existential dread in general that I can't entertain for too long or I'll go crazy. Like, yes. like I just, gener- I'm like, is this the end of the world? Like, am I, am I living in the end of the world? It's never going to end. Is the metaverse going to come out? Are we yeah. all going to live in little pods? And are we on our way to the first Matrix movie? I mean, every time I hear someone talk about the metaverse seriously and how they're like living or living or acting or playing in these spaces, I'm like, just me. Well, we're already doing it. We're doing I know, it right now. But that's the crazy like, thing. I yeah. feel like in the last like month is the first time I've heard about it. And people are like, yeah, I am in this world and I have this character and this artist has designed it for me. And I just like sit and play poker with my buddies virtually. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Even (laughs) just that Instagram exists, right? It is a virtual space that we all visit. Like true. And the way life is now, we're already at a place where 50% of our life is in reality. And the other 50% is this, what we're doing or in a chat room or yeah, it'll just be like, you know, when you're on Instagram chat, you see the little green icon that says like they're online. Mm-hmm. We'll all just actually be in a space and people will be like, hi, I'm here now. Just <laughs> uh, crazy. Ugh, yeah. Really off topic. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, do- I'm doing I'm doing better. I know how to do lockdown. I know how to like waste a day, you know, and like go for a walk and like cook a couple meals. I play a lot of video games and then it's time for bed and then do it again. Yeah. So, how I mean we're definitely in the darkest timeline I think (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but how have you been able to express yourself like artistically or are you finding ways I mean like maybe you aren't even like I know in the first two lockdowns I was like fuck this shit I'm not I'm taking a break yeah like I feel I feel like it oh my god when was it like at the beginning of the pandemic like way back however many years ago that was I did this little show called Life in a Box with uh, with my roommate, which is this musical we wrote together and did over Zoom. So that was, I think, kind of like a panic response. You know, yeah. all the artists at the beginning going, we're going to pivot. We're going to find a way yeah. to make it work. And <sighs> I feel word. like I did that. And I know that word. And then uh, I feel like I did that. And then I went, okay, that's like all the pivoting I have in me, I feel like. So I kind of... I laid low. I caught up on a childhood's worth of video games. Um, (laughs) 
I like know way too much about Nintendo. Um, but then I got, you know, lucky, like I worked for this theater company, Bad Hats Theater in half for a long time. And so mm. we did this production of Alice in Wonderland over Zoom. That was so bizarre. Um, <laughs> That's like a total I inception. booked a little part it that's inception yeah like alice in wonderland like through the looking glass over zoom is like this kind of like weird modern twist on something like an idea like that yeah 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 it's really it's really trippy but <laughs> you know i've been lucky enough to like have a couple of gigs but otherwise like i used to just write songs like it was a freaking compulsion do you swear on this podcast yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay uh <laughs> Like it would like I used to just crank songs out, um, but I don't. I haven't really written a song like for me about me in a year. Because like, what am I gonna write? You know, like it's a pandemic. There's nothing going <laughs> on. When will this end? When will this end? Like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. Like when a musical kind of commission comes up. I can write about something like I, I spent two weeks adapting a new version of Robin Hood. That was really fun to write yeah. music for Robin Hood. But in terms of like writing music for myself about myself, I haven't, I haven't really done a lot of that. So I've been trying to do the thing where you don't put pressure on yourself uh, to create. Uh, but I think that's part of the anxiety about this most recent lockdown is I was like, oh my God, I, I can't keep doing nothing for that mm -hmm. much longer. Yeah, there, there's this thing where people are like, well, you know what, if you don't wanna work today, then you need to like trust your body or like you don't wanna work out or mm -hmm. you don't wanna put pressure on yourself then you need to like trust the, you and you just need to step away because your body needs rest. I'm like, okay, but like, at what point, like there's such a fine line between that and like becoming a lazy individual, you know? Or like- Yeah, becoming... like, or you can just, you can only do that for so long until you just yeah. slip into like a fucking depression. Yes. So the yeah. clock, I feel like, yeah. is really kind of running out for me in terms of that. Yet, there's still not a lot to do, and I don't feel that creatively inspired. So it just feels restless now. Mm -hmm. Like, at the beginning, I was kind of down. Like, I was getting really frustrated with the industry. I was, like, in a season of, like, getting to a lot of, like, the end of rounds of auditions, thinking I was going to book something, and it just not happening. Yeah. So the pandemic yeah. for me... Uh, came at a really like needed time. Like I really was looking at university programs and other things I could do. Uh, and then the pandemic just kind of hit and it wasn't an option anymore. I couldn't right. audition. I didn't. So the pressure that I had to hustle and all that was released. Yeah. Um, and if the pandemic hadn't come when it came, I don't know if I would have like stuck it out. I like needed that break, I think. And I was yeah. forced into it. Mm -hmm. So I feel really lucky for that. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but coming out of the pandemic, I'm just like, let's do stuff. Let's let me know whenever there's stuff to do. So I was really? so happy when you asked me to do this. I was like, something related to my career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. Yeah, there there was this like interesting thing in, about like the first pandemic that I agree with that like we all kind of needed. Like it was like very beautiful for those first like that first two weeks month where like everybody like including people in offices just had to be like stop for like two weeks yeah, yeah. and yeah. there was like a real like silence like a like a beautiful calmness almost yeah. to that but then like things started moving again and like people started working 
like from the office virtually and then like TV and film started and then like it became these like pockets of work that were happening but like none of these pockets seemed to be about what you were doing or like about mm -hmm. what we were doing so it put on this new pressure of like oh, what is my worth in society and then I feel like every time the lockdown happens again it just like is like a reminder of that like what what is the necessity for for even though art is so much necessity like we consume it every day but it makes people think like what is my necessity to this mm -hmm. community you know yeah yeah like what is essential it yeah I've been thinking about that a lot right like I think a lot of artists we try to frame we try to give ourselves like a like a moral reason to do it, it you're like well I I can affect people with my storytelling or you know I can change people or mm. uh, people I, I have something to say people could learn something and there are days you know and, and I know like I you do a musical like Alice in Wonderland and it is affecting people like I know that on my, a good day but on a bad day you're just like it's fucking theater like we're not saving lives like yeah we're not doctors is it that important like I know art is essential like we need art funding that's a problem with this country like we don't get art funding because our government doesn't really care think it is that essential care. but yeah. in the grand scheme of the world it's like I don't know I go back and forth all the time I'm like is it is it important or do yeah. I just like doing it selfishly uh and I'm trying to justify why I do it and give it yeah. more importance than it actually deserves I would like to push that point a little uh, bit farther and then ask you when you were a kid, did art save your life? Did theater save your life? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It definitely, mm. it's definitely where I found myself. Mm -hmm. like it's absolutely without a, without, yeah, it's where I found myself. Did it save my life? I don't know. It made my <laughs> life a lot better. It made my life like, I don't, I really don't know what I would have been doing otherwise as a kid like yeah I didn't play sports I didn't have other extracurriculars like I was just at home um kind of playing pretend in my basement so <laughs> and it's where I found other queer people it's where I so yeah like in a way like <laughs> yeah like spiritually <laughs> it saved my life yes did it literally save my life the way like a firefighter saves somebody from a burning building mm. no and I guess that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about like how right. essential <laughs> is essential what do we right. deem essential you know like it's like there's a difference between like living and existing mm -hmm. so I think art Definitely. theater has allowed me to like live as opposed to just like drift through life i'm sure i would have gotten like a bunk ass job like a degree from some university I well don't know. i have I not heard them. i have not heard someone use the word bunk ass in so long that is amazing <laughs> yeah yeah it's an excellent yeah. point about living versus existing and yes and how yeah, I, I totally feel you on that, Landon, because I, I mean, like, sometimes you're just like, what, it, like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, sometimes when you're, like, yeah. in a dance rehearsal, you're in a rehearsal, and you're just, like, doing, you're, like, analyzing, like, the smallest movement, and, like, getting in, like, it's, like, arguments about, like, what, where <laughs> the movement is, like, originating from, and you're, like, you just, like, take a step back and look around, you're, like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. what? I, like, I was, like, like, that's the moments where I'm like, I should have gone to finance school. Like I should have been, like, I should have, you know, done anything that could have helped. Cause I don't think like me analyzing this one 
movement is like helping mm -hmm. anything right now, you know? But you know, you can do it if you have to, right? Like if you're in that audition yeah. and somebody's really asking you to let, like, you know, analyze yeah. your hand, like you can go there, right? It's the theater school stuff that's like so culty when you are yeah, observing it. it from the outside. <laughs> but when you're in it, like I can totally, like that's the thing. If I'm in a rehearsal hall or with a director or whatever, I can totally just give in. I can flip that switch in my brain. But then there's the other me that on the outside will go, was that all bullshit? Did that help anybody with anything? Were we all just pretending? Like I have a lot of experience in the church. Like I had a, okay. quite a few years there where I was like really, really Christian. Wow. And it's like wow. that kind of thing too, where it's like, you can give into this way of thinking and it can be really real. Um, but also you can step outside of it and go, yeah, this is, this is just crazy. Like, yeah, I think that's also yeah. like a habit to notice in yourself, not particularly you, but like in people in general, you can pretend in any area of your life, you can make anything mm -hmm. real by thinking it's real. And you can also be yeah. really depressed and think everything's bullshit and be a nihilist, you know? And be like, mm. which down, I've, like, I've really down. done both. I've really <laughs> yeah. had my seasons of both. I'm trying to live somewhere in the middle. Middle's um, the hard place. Hard. Yeah. But it all often leaves me feeling like I actually don't know what I believe. Yeah. Interesting. About anything. I'm like, I could argue. You put me on a debate team and just said, argue this side. I'm like, okay, you can. You know, it feels yeah. like and when it comes down to belief systems too, it's like, I think most people, you just believe whatever all the people around you believe and think will make you a good person. You just believe that. Yeah. There's a little bit of fear about that though, too, isn't that like too scared sometimes like I, I, and I do it. Cause I like try and commit. I like, I'm such a people pleaser. <laughs> I like need yeah, people to love me. I'm like, love me, need me, yeah. want me all the time. So I like, when mm. I'm in a group of people, I'm like, totally, I, you know what? Exactly. And that's why. And I like get into this whole idea of like, they're totally right. And I chameleon to them and whatever their idea is, it's perfect. And yeah, there's like almost mm. like a sense of like, right. am I, am I like, is it fear? Am I too scared to be like, whoa 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 no like Corinne's really good at being in a group and like if someone says something and she'll be like no this is what it is that's completely incorrect like, oh yeah I fights. don't have that <laughs> I, I, I admire that I, yeah I do not have that either <laughs> I tend to go more towards uh like uh I go yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah. maybe <laughs> Like kind of just non-committal. Yeah. I don't know. That's like your But then I really don't know. Oh yeah, maybe that is yeah, my favorite yeah. fight response. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, but you were saying like uh did art like save me when I was a kid or whatever. But I was having this conversation with my mom about like why anybody per the type of person who pursues art at all in the first place. And I've heard I think a lot of us just like were kids who like had dreams of being famous or whatever. But I also question where that impulse comes from. And mm -hmm. I've heard the phrase artists are people trying to heal and art mm -hmm. is an avenue to heal. Um, but I feel like when I was a kid, it was doing that for me. It was the thing mm -hmm. that healed me. It was the safe space away yeah. from the rest of the world where I could go and gather with the, with my weirdos and just yeah. like do our thing. But and, you know, it was so anti, like, the cool kids, like, what the cool kids and the jocks or whatever, 
whatever that was in your high school. Like it was so <laughs> anti that. Yeah. And then we all go to theater school and graduate. And it's like, now we are all trying to be the cool kids. And yeah. <laughs> it's the thing. It's like Whoa. so anti why we all started doing it in the first place. Yeah. And yeah. it ends up, you know, cause yeah, like art, I feel like heals me. Like it's where I can go and really focus and, and, you know, pursue something like in a scene, work through something, somebody else's struggle, not mine. And the hard part is just not getting to do it. And that's the reality of being a professional. Before you're a professional, you can just do it all the time. Mm -hmm. But when you go out into the world, it's like you get to do it a couple months out of the year. And the rest of the time is you trying to get to do it. And that yeah. requires being like the coolest kid at the party or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing I was avoiding by doing theater as a kid. And here we are having to do it just to get a little break, an art break to go. I have two months now to do mm -hmm. the thing that heals me. And then I'm going to go back into the world that like destroys me. That is the like auditioning and hustling for a job and waiting around for an audition and feeling worthless and then feeling like out of practice. And then the next audition comes and you're like, I don't even know if I remember how to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting analogy yeah. to go back to doing, or it's opposite of why you started in the first place to be the cool kid. Yeah. Yeah. And I've talked to my therapist just about the lifestyle of like, like I'm not a good mover. Uh, you know, the hardest part of every contract for me is just like living in a different place. Oh. Uh, like that, that's just really hard for me. Like, uh, especially if there's a billet or I have to have a different roommate. Like I have that people pleaser thing. Mm. So it's, it's like impossible for me to be authentic with somebody who I don't know very well. I just need them to love me first. Mm -hmm. right? So if I'm in a new contract in a new place and I maybe have a roommate or a billet, I'm just on all the time and I mm -hmm. can't have my downtime. Yeah, you're uh, performing. Like and then you're like going to perform, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, like art, the rehearsal hall, like it is still just my absolute favorite thing to do. Like when people in rehearsal go like, oh, let's hang out after rehearsal. Let's go for a drink after rehearsal. I don't know why people like to do that. I'm like, we just did the party. You were at the party for eight hours. <laughs> oh, interesting. I just did it. That was the party. That was us going out for drinks. Now mm -hmm. I need to go home and like, be blank like stare at a wall I really <laughs> and I love rehearsal like I get into this hyper-focused state like I've gone through rehearsal days where I don't eat or drink or go to the bathroom like I, I just do it and I love to do it mm -hmm. and then yeah I go home and I just become a zombie like I can't <laughs> do it anymore so I I don't get the like yeah and and that's the thing about going away on contract that you have to do like want to hang and Mm. go out for drinks and I'm just I'm just such a zombie after <laughs> rehearsal so I forget what my point about all this. the displacement and all of that like my therapist was like that lifestyle in its own is a mood disorder like <laughs> totally. the displacement wow. the moving around a lot meeting new people like it's the first day of school like mm. you all become new best friends all the time for three months and then everybody goes to other parts of the country and you don't see them anymore yeah and I have yeah. like 30 best friends that I never get to see mm -hmm. once it's over 
Uh, and it's this all or nothing lifestyle that is, yeah, it's a hard thing to do, but I know when I'm doing it, I, I just love to do it a lot. Yeah, it's, I like agree. There's like something so beautiful about being in as much as I made fun of like this analyzing of a hand thing, (laughs) but there is something about being in process. That's like, it's like a communal discussion about like all of your favorite things I don't know does that make sense but it, it totally. and like analyzing like work and like thinking about like um uh like honesty in work and like it's something that is like so interesting with artists and actors and singer and like dancers is just like knowing when movement is right you know immediately or like when something, yeah, okay. the way you do something is so right you're like or you say a line and it's like this is that's how it was supposed to be yeah, that was it yeah that was true. it and yeah. everybody in the room is like yeah 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 and you can't <laughs> and you can't like you can't really explain why it was good you're just well you can but like you everyone tries to but like and the thing is, is like if somebody came in who had no background it was just like they said the line this time they put like a little bit more enunciation on it this time or they <laughs> like they wouldn't know but there is this like communal aspect and like communal agreements where we all are just like, that's the one, that's the take, or that's, that's yeah. the way you should say it. And whatever you tapped into in that moment, you should do that again. And I, I don't know why that's, I don't know why every like artist is obsessed with that, but it, it's, it's so nice when it happens. I just had a thought, is yeah. it because it's fleeting and it's something that you shared with that person and you're ne- like, you can't recreate it. Yeah. You had to be there. <laughs> you have to be there, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> like if you weren't yeah. there, you just, you're like, I can try to, it was like, uh, but you just had to be there. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's rare. Maybe it's like rarity. Totally. Like it, it, it doesn't come as often as you need it. I don't know. There's something about it though. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. You were yeah. just on a contract this past summer, right? Yeah, so lucky. I can't believe it. Yeah, I got to go to Stratford. It was wicked. Who were you working <laughs> um, with in Stratford? I was working with Esther Jen. Uh, you know her? She's so dope. Uh, oh. She's so cool. She was our director. Uh, and Shakura Dixon. Do you know Shakura? No, she's, she's the best. I love her. I miss <laughs> her a lot. Who else was in the cast? Shannon Taylor was in the cast. Alan Louie was in the cast. Um mm. Yeah, it was a great time. It was small, right? Like, I it was like this little like pandemic season. Like they did like a few shows there. They were yeah. all like four handers. One was like a six person show. Wow. Maybe was the biggest cast or something. So yeah, that kind of surprised me. Like I was in Alice in Wonderland and just started getting these auditions for this part of Stratford. They were all on Zoom. I did like three of them. Wow. And I got an offer to go to Stratford for the summer, which was really cool because normally when you're in those festivals, like I did Shaw right out of school and you, it's, it, it's the kind of thing where you're like into maybe three shows with a million understudies or something like that. But I was just there yeah. doing my one show, yeah, um, which was pretty dreamy, honestly, yeah. like just get to live, you know, somewhere in the summer. Yeah. And Stratford's yeah. beautiful. I love it there. Stratford, Stratford is beautiful. I think it's got a real bunk ass side too, though. <laughs> like, you know, I love that. Sub, like I, I totally love like a dirty suburb. You know, like I've yeah. done yes theater in Sudbury. I love Sudbury. I've done some theater in St. Catharines. It's a good time. Like I, I like being <laughs> in a in a dirty suburb. I think Stratford as a town. Uh they kind of advertise that they're like this small little tourist town 
And they're Wait. really not anymore. It's kind of a city. It's kind of yeah. very. Uh, like I, felt, I felt a little lied to like I and I've been you know like Niagara on the lake is a beautiful little town like a cottagey town and when I was there I lived in this beautiful little cottage near the lake we went swimming even though it was Lake Ontario it's kind of nasty we still did but you can't do that in Stratford so you know I love doing a play so much like and it's, I even like being in rehearsal better. So I had an amazing summer still, but you didn't get to do summer things, you know? Mm. There was no swimming, there was no beach, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like there's the little like river where the swans are, um, but, it, but it's, it's not the funnest place to live during the summer. Mm. Stratford's an amazing uh, company to work for, but Stratford as a town, yeah, I got my hopes up higher. Uh, That's, it's so funny. I, I imagine I think the biggest part of Stratford is that Stratford Festival is there, I think. And I yes. think that like yeah, leads yeah. into the community because I have, I know like five or six people that I'm like pretty good friends with from Stratford and they're all like the coolest people. Like they're all these like yeah. super like in tune, like just like whatever, like like kind of feel like they're constantly like microdosing mushrooms. People, they're like very like art. <laughs> totally, the festival vibe is awesome. The people are amazing. I was just, like the unfortunate thing, like yeah, about being there that summer, it was a pandemic, so I didn't get to meet yeah. people. We didn't get to mm. do things. There were no like when I was at Shaw. Like aside from the fact that like you could go swimming and bike around to wineries, like yeah there's were bonfires all the time like you're at like this weird grown grown up summer camp we just didn't get to do that stuff yeah. there was no like welcome to the festival opening there was right. just a pandemic like yeah so like I hope knock on wood I can go back and like because the town I'm sure a summer there would be amazing if you're just like at bonfires and barbecues and yeah making friends and biking around I just didn't get to do that so it really felt like the great thing about it was doing a play at an amazing company. I could have been in any town. You could have, I could have woken up and you could have told me I was living in St. Catharines or I was living in Barrie or I was living in Vaughan and I would have yeah. like mm -hmm. every suburban Ontario town becomes the exact same place. Yeah. Uh, they all have a shopper's drug mart and yeah. like Wendy's and Subway and like that's it. So it was yeah. at any town. So I, I wish I could have like done the, done the partying and the mingling more but it yeah. wasn't the summer for it, so. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, wait, so you, what, what was the show that you were doing? What was it called again? It was called I Am William. And right. it was a really funny thing. Like it's the story of uh, William and Margaret Shakespeare. They're twins yeah. and they're best friends. There's a lot of love there. But William, who I played, is sort of, is not a playwright. He's like a very kind of sweet, dumb charming <laughs> kid who wants to be an actor and is a very good actor apparently but can't write to save their life right is not good yeah. at school and margaret who's really the protagonist of the story um is this brilliant playwright but it's you know in a time when women aren't allowed to go to school or be playwrights and if they find oh. out she can read and write they'll think she's a witch and drown her or burn her out of stake so she like you know I go to school in the morning and she like does all these chores that she has to do. And then we'll like come wait outside the school window and, um, uh, and then come home and help me with my homework. Like in the story, William like adores his sister and thinks she's a genius, but it's this whole 
you know, all these theories about like, did Shakespeare write their plays? Yeah. Was Shakespeare yes. a real person? Yeah. Or whatever. So it's like, yeah. it's a play on that, right? That it's like, what if Shakespeare had this genius sister and she was the brilliant playwright, uh, but Shakespeare had to take the cover for her or mm -hmm. basically all the credit that she wasn't allowed to have because her life would be in jeopardy. Yeah. So it was really, it was fun. It was a really fun, it was a really fun show. I missed it. Yeah. And, and by the end of the contract, or sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead, you go ahead. Well, just like, yeah, by the end of the contract, me and Shakura, because we like hit it off so much, we were like, man, if I could just take this show to, to back home to Toronto and keep running it for a year, that would be the dream come true. Yeah. Like now my dream dream is to just live at home and do a play. Like, <laughs> because like, you know, and my accommodations weren't the best. And like, I was billeting somewhere and I was like, damn, I miss my apartment. I love yeah. being in Stratford and having an acting job, but I feel so displaced and I miss my house and I miss mm -hmm. my stuff. Like truly my dream is just to live at my home in Toronto and, and do an acting job. Yeah. So yeah. Stratford, I, if you want to produce I Am William as a like a co-pro in Toronto, let me know. Yeah. Very down. I'll do it for cheap. You should write I'll that do it for the equity minimum. You should write yeah. that proposal and write that grant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know there is yeah. it's so it is like a little bit like romantic when you're like doing a show in your own, like in Toronto in your own space. Like I Crin, when we were doing like Nostrovia for like those like that like month, there's just like the show that we did. I, I, and we would like go into the space every day on those weekends and just like do it it was like this is the dream like we would it just is. like wake yeah. up and we got to go do the show and then like party at night and then go home <laughs> and then wake up and do it again you know it was mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. there's such a dream and like very rom it's very romanticized and I it feels a little bit like you're in like a weird weird movie but it's, it's you're the main character in that movie exactly <laughs> you're always the main character <laughs> yeah, how did you feel totally. um how did you feel when you got back to Toronto after doing that show? Did you feel like you I felt like, that, like going from that high to how did you feel? Was it a roller coaster? When I first got home, I was over the moon. You know, I was like, I was like, oh, like I did it. I did a show at Stratford. And now it's because at the end of any run, you're like tired. Right. So I was just like, mm. oh, what a lovely time to take a break. I worked so hard. I've earned this. I was like, oh, I'm back home. Like I redecorated my room. I saw friends again. So it was the best for like two yeah. weeks. And then you're not an actor at Stratford anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it's just over. And yeah, and then it's just very, very depressing. And the city still wasn't like fully opened or functioning. Uh, it was still very much a pandemic. There were no real auditions. You know, the thing about like, when you finally book a job, you know, especially with like a super reputable company like Stratford, you kind of think like, oh, I've made it now. Now right. the jobs just continue to come. Yeah, how offers will. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then like, they just don't because yeah. the reality is, is like, there's a lot of fucking talent and there's not that many stages. Like, Essentially now. Yeah. You know, and pe yeah. people would, I would, be home and people would go so what do you think next season are you going to be back there I'm like I, maybe I'd love to be I'm sure they like me I don't know I can list off the top of my brain 10 amazingly talented former Stratford actors who weren't there the season that I was there mm -hmm. so it's kind of anyone's guess mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, it's just, it's such a high, it's such a high being a working actor. And then when that's gone, you do, you feel like you go through withdrawal. Like you feel like you're going through stage withdrawal or something. Yeah. And there was nothing to do. And like, yeah, the first two weeks being home was the best because I missed everything. Then you're just like, okay, now I'm just an unemployed, almost 30 year old with very little savings and no other plan. And, you know, it's like both stories are true. It's like, it's like, I'm a very successful young actor with a lot of promise. (laughs) And the other thing is like, or I'm going to be like uh, an unemployed, broke, 30-year-old adult who needs to like go move back in with their parents and maybe I will never work again, right? Mm-hmm. I, like then the thoughts creep in and you go, was that my last acting job? Maybe that was the last one. It's just yeah. not going to happen again. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And not because I'm not talented or whatever. It's just like, it's just not. You were just really right for that one part. Again, like I know so many actors. I remember when I was first graduating theater school, you know, people who were at Soul Pepper and stuff going like, what are they doing? Like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're so good. Why aren't they doing something? Like, and they told us that in theater school, it's like, you might have a great 20s and then 35 to 40, you might just not book anything because you kind of look between things. They're yeah. not auditioning for you. And then it's, you just go, fuck, I'm just not going to have money. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I just... I'm not qualified for anything else. So if the acting thing doesn't pan off, like, I guess I could go back to school. I can't afford to go back to school, really. Mm. I also, like, I fucked my way through high school because I just was like, I'm going to be an actor. So I have no sciences or maths. I couldn't even go to a university program. I don't think, like, (laughs) you know, so I'm like, okay, like, it's either acting or, like, Mm. I'm going to work at EV Games for the rest of my life. I mean, and, you do have a lot of knowledge about video games, you were saying. That's yeah, a good... I know. I fantasize about it sometimes. <laughs> sorry, and, I'm like, sorry. moms would come in at Christmas and be like, what's this Pokemon game? And I'd be like, let me tell you exactly what your child wants, because you don't know what they want. But I do. But I <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Uh, that so was, just all that uh, dread sets in, right? Like you're a Stratford actor. You're like, that's it. That's what theater school prepared me for. Like yeah. I did the thing. Uh, and then you're just going, oh shit. That might've been the last time it happens because I wouldn't be the first actor who that happened to. And yeah. I don't really have another plan. And the money I made at Stratford is running out and rent is going to have to come out. And this is what it is. I'm also living in a place that I love right now. And I've lived in a lot of trash apartments in the city for like really cheap rent. Like I got, you know, the actor houses where actors just keep handing over their weird apartments and the rent never raises. I've a lot of those for a while. And yeah, I've got lucky. I'm in another one now, but I'm finally not in a basement, but I know I'm paying unreasonably low rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they ever renovated or if I ever lost this place, I'm going to be in a basement apartment in Parkdale for sure. <laughs> like there are less and less of these places as time goes on. What a yeah. vibe. I well. don't want to be in the basement anymore. You know, as soon as someone says feel... like Parkdale or like a basement, I'm like, Ooh, we all know what that energy is. <laughs> I, we, I've done it. Like I've done the basement apartment, but I, I don't know. I don't know if the biz is worth the basement apartment. You know, it's like, I, you, you probably both know too, like in high school and stuff, you're so, and I'm like, 
screw the nine to five. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like what? To have a nice house? Like, nah, like I'm going to be an artist. And that now that I'm living the life of an artist, you're like, well, it's great when you get to do it for, you know, two months out of a fucking year. But yeah. the rest of the time, it kind of sucks. And you're very, you have very little money. And that's <laughs> and, very stressful. And your and self-esteem is like, <laughs> like really, yeah, all over the place. And, yeah. and the idea of having a nine to five job and making like, like if somebody told me, it's like, you just make $40,000 a year. Like I would feel like a rich person. And we all know that's not a lot of money. That would be insane. <laughs> That'd be insane. $40,000 a year guaranteed. To just, budget. Also yeah. weekends off, you know, evenings oh off. Oh my God. Uh, mm. Benefits. What? <laughs> yeah. 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 Dental. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I you might get there. Or sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, who did you say might get there? theater might get oh, there to the five day sorry. a week thing the two day right. weekends I hope it does yeah hopefully uh, yeah I mean like sorry just to like top off what we were saying before to kind of get us back on that role about like when you're a kid and you're <laughs> always like hey I uh you know fuck this I don't need to like I'm gonna live that city life and I'm gonna be an artist and not have a nine to five and then you hit like 28 and you're like I could like maybe have a backyard or like a nice kitchen mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or like yeah. I think I, I think I could be like maybe okay having like some space in my house and not living yeah. on top of each other, <laughs> on top of each other. Um, but there, there is all these like elements about, about being an artist that are, like we said, like are so beautiful and wonderful and they make you feel really good. And then there's these points that are like, make you feel terrible and your self-esteem's low and going on auditions and sometimes the amount of rejection you get. And, and going from these positions of like high to low is, is super detrimental, I think, to like our mental health and the way that we oh, live yeah. our lives. And I think when we get to those low men, like going from here and getting all this like natural adrenaline from performing and being on stage to not having that anymore is like can cause a lot of like personal behavior that isn't necessarily healthy and all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I you do. Can, I think I know you, or sorry. sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, like I think all artists, like if if art or whatever we do is the thing that's healing us, it also is like this drug that we all take that you get addicted to. Like when I was 11 and you're in front of an audience and a bunch of people are clapping for you, like that changes your life. Yeah. And you're just chasing that high forever. And Mm -hmm. yeah, when you don't have that, I do. I feel like I'm going through a weird withdrawal and my sense of self is connected to that. And so- The absence of that is, yeah, horrible feeling. That that's those moments are when you go, okay, I don't get it enough. That thing I got addicted to, I don't have access to it as much as I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you briefly talked about um, that. So hopefully this is okay that I'm bringing this up. Um, that you have struggled with like addiction in the past. Like not in the past, in the present. Like yeah, it's just oh, something sorry. To deal with like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I definitely, the more I work, the more I realize I'm like, oh, this is a bit of a cliche, but I can see now why it's a cliche, why artists like do drugs or are alcoholics or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the thing I was saying that it's like, there's this weird natural high that we lack most months of the year, or at least I, I do like, and I've been really fortunate to work, a, you know, 
a little bit, but I don't feel like it's not like I'm working consistently, but also that's just the life of an actor. Most people don't work mm-hmm. that consistently, but yeah, like I definitely, and th- we can't even get into my whole Christian phase, but like, I basically was a, like, I'm a queer, you know, pansexual gender non-conforming person. And I knew that my whole life and had this, you know, just weird shame about it and grew up around with two brothers and a dad and sports and blah, blah. So I became like a born again, evangelical Pentecostal Christian in like my grade 11 year. Wow. And your family was like, that wasn't a family structure that you grew up in. This is something you found outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. Not my family at all. My family was like really vaguely like, we believe in heaven and, you (laughs) know, the United Church. Uh, But like, yeah, so I think I've always had this like curiosity about the world and the universe. Like I just came into the world like that's an artist type person. Um, And a lot of the Christianity answered a lot of questions for like my young brain and gave me structure that I was really craving. Like I used to even as a little kid have these weird panic attacks when I had like this light in my room that had stars on it and the lampshade would spin around. Mm -hmm. And I remember I couldn't sleep because I was like asking my mom, like what happens when you die? Like what's life after death? And she's like, well, you just, you go to heaven forever. And the concept of eternity when I was eight (laughs) scared the living shit out of me that there was something, a consciousness that, doesn't end mm-hmm. which is weird it's like it's programmed in our biology to die like we know mm-hmm. like living forever is kind of horrifying so mm-hmm. I just had a lot of questions and fear about the afterlife and stuff met a lot of Christian people through the theater became really freaking Christian went through theater school you know being a Christian finally let me acknowledge to myself that like I'm also attracted to like male presenting people and uh but that was okay because God is going to let me just choose women. So I don't have to pursue that. And then, you know, like I was in this bad relationship with another Christian person and it was nuts, right? Like I, we were like practicing celibacy and then would like mess up occasionally and feel really guilty about it. Yeah. And, and then like I, for the first time in my life was surrounded by like uh, gay people and would see their relationships and be like, why is their relationship like functioning better than mine? Like, uh, and then just literally had a falling out with like God in the Bible going like, I just can't believe that verse. And I don't believe it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very totalitarian Christianity. Like, so it was either all 66 books of the Bible were the word of God or none of them were. So I really threw the baby out with the bathwater. And when I was in high school too, before before I became that Christian, I did smoke a lot of weed in high school. Like, you know, I was sneaking around getting high. Mm-hmm. And like the day I stopped kind of believing or following Christ, like it was, I just started smoking weed like every day. And then it became like every morning. And mm-hmm. then realizing like, oh, I probably have like an anxiety disorder mm-hmm. that Christianity was solving for me. By offering and without structure. that. structure and reasoning maybe yeah structure reasoning a way to live a real idea of right and wrong and a promise that there is an afterlife that isn't horrific or you know like it just Mm. I I had no fear of death right like I was just like I'll get hit by a train I'm gonna go meet 
meet my creator and be with the Lord and it's going to be the best, you know? And yeah, yeah I know. And, I'm so sorry. I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's but it also funny. puts like, into like a lot of perspective, like people who, I mean, like that ideal, like that exact idea is why we have people who like are like suicide bombers and like, right. Or like people that are like, can will because they truly believe that like what they're doing is like oh death is a game we used to say that yes death is only a game like uh yeah and and our life in the span of eternity is like a blink so you know even though living for god can be hard it's like just do it because where we get to afterwards is so so worth it um and the alternative is fucking bad so but when that fell apart i just needed a distraction like I basically just went through my final year of, of George Brown, just like baked, but realized pretty quickly how functioning I was on it too. Like other people, my friend circle would like get high and be like, oh my God, I just could do all my stuff. I actually just felt a lot less anxious and mm -hmm. it could help me like hyper focus. Like I, you know, I would go into the rehearsal hall and kind of crush it and mm -hmm. be like, damn, like we got it this is, this is, I just discovered a secret, like, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, I just, I know it's, it's just weed, right, like, and I mean, now it's just weed, like, at the time, like, I did a lot of mushrooms for a couple of years there, I was, like, day drinking for a while, too, I was smoking cigarettes, and yeah. all kinds of stuff, and uh, yeah, just slowly, it just messes you up, being fucked up all the time, and then being mm -hmm. sober started to feel like its own drug that you're like, whoa, I'm like so hyper aware. <laughs> um, but the, the, I guess the point is, is like when I'm, you know, at Stratford or in a job, especially as a singer, I've gotten mm -hmm. really, really strict and disciplined about like, you don't do that stuff until the day's over. Yeah. Um, you know, so I would like go, you know, do do my rehearsal, not even think about it for the day, because that's my drug. I'm on my drug right. in the mm -hmm. rehearsal hall, right? Um, or on stage or whatever. And then the day's over and I can go get high. And so it becomes a lot more balanced and mm -hmm. not really, not destruct destructive, yes. you know? Um, but then after, yeah, I came home in September. And then after that two weeks or whatever, I just end back up in back in this spiral that is like you just wake and bake you're just like hitting the bong first thing in the morning and then like every hour for the rest of the day and you're smoking a gram or two grams a day and yeah. you're just really high and like a couple of years ago at the beginning of the pandemic it got really really bad and it's the kind yeah. of thing where you're just like depressed in a dark room smoking weed all day and then and then it gets bad because then you just can't get high anymore yep. and that place mm -hmm. sucks where your tolerance is too high and mm. you just can't get high anymore. Like I just wake up and I feel spacey and you smoke weed and you kind of feel normal again. And you have like mm. 20 minutes of it be feeling kind of relief. And then you're like, now back to reality. And you're just, you just need to kind of keep smoking weed and you're just brain dead all the time and tired all the time. And it fucks with your skin. And yeah, there were a couple of years there. I would just sweat in my sleep all night. I have to get up yeah. in the middle of the night and get high again to go back to sleep. Wow. You're never yeah. really sleeping properly. Yep. And, yep. you know, a lot of it was, I was just going through some shit about like my queerness and what my family knows and just stuff. Right. And like, 
I was just in a, in escape mode Mm -hmm. in order to pursue the life of an artist and an actor, because it's like, I felt like I just couldn't function sober. Like, and so I, I would get high and I would go to my auditions and do my thing and I booked parts and I would do it and nobody would know. It's not like I came across as like, I mean, I wrote a whole show about smoking weed all the time, but I was just so functioning. (laughs) Right. I had my routine of the like visine and all that stuff. So it's, and smoking weed like that is never going to like ruin your life. It's not cocaine. It's not narcotics. Right. It just kind of like, my memory is like weird now. Like, it's like, you're just in this weird dream all the time and you're not really fully experiencing your life. Mm. Uh, And I don't want to get back into those places, you know, like, I make a real point of like just holding off until five o'clock, but my brain is basically from the moment I wake up screaming at me to like put a substance in my body, Uh, which I'm learning more recently now is maybe like undiagnosed or ADHD or Mm, yeah, there's there's a reason reason I want to self-medicate, you know, that I haven't uh, tapped into yet that I'm working on figuring out because that'll be a lot more helpful but there's a reason my brain wants that and it doesn't like being sober it likes being unstimulated and theater is a is a stimulant that I have grown accustomed to but that's the problem is when you don't get to do that that often I I fall into these just really bad habits uh and cycles that are hard to, to get out of and then there have been times where like an audition comes and I'm like fuck I'm like not here for it I'm not in shape my uh, my voice isn't ready for it yeah. I need like a week to like prep and smoke less before I can do this and then you judge yourself and you're like fuck like if I was sober I could have booked that or whatever right. um yeah. yeah it was just a thing I know I'm not the only person or the only artist who who deals with that or whatever but I think I'm probably I would love to be the dude who smokes weed every other day or on weekends. You know, I would love to be that person. I just haven't been able to manage doing that. Yeah. I, addiction is like such an interesting, cause how each person deals and what you classify as addiction for each person is so, so individualistic and different. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think Corinne and I, like, we would like, have these conversations like early about like drinking like how much we're drinking I would say it's drinking for me definitely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I just remember like we would have these conversations in the in the summer or like and be like kind of trying to like justifying our own (laughs) drinking or like but it's addiction is just like not strange but it's just like such an individualistic experience that like people can judge you on and, and there are what am I trying to say here? Like there are obviously like addictions that are extreme, but like how you perceive your addiction is also like such a big part of that. Does that make sense? Sorry. Yeah, totally. And, and sometimes you're just choosing between the lesser evil. You know what I mean? Like yes. there are plenty of recovering alcoholics and recovering, you know, narcotics addicts who smoke weed every all day, every day. And that's I'll a way better alternative. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so like that like totally sober thing is hard to achieve we all like in high school just start being given drugs and it's just a part of culture especially drinking the bar in this business right and there's a lot more sobriety now because of like 
I guess the stories you hear about places like the Shaw Festival in the 80s or whatever and the way act older actors were um but like it's just so normalized to get drunk like every night and there's one thing when all your work's done and you're in the evening like I there was a long time I was like the evenings are just for being intoxicated that's just what the evenings are for like and that's fine but it's when it slips into the like your daytime and while you're doing your work and and not as a way to get out of work but as a way to keep working like for motivation like yeah Mm. and Mm-hmm. And like the times of my life where I have, like, I'm my best self when I have a performance gig because it forces me now, not a couple of years ago, but now I go, you just don't do anything until the day's done. Because uh, yep. I, I like my brain better that way. But mm-hmm. um, the seasons that I have a writing contract, I have so connected my writing process to substances that I'm really mm. trying to separate those two things because they're interesting like me and my writing partner we would just be like oh we're just gonna like go to the cottage and drink whiskey all day and smoke weed all day and write and we would and you can kind of you just can kind of get away with that mm-hmm. um but it's then weird. you just can't do your thing when you're sober which is fucked up yeah and yeah. <laughs> all the seasons of my life where I have managed to you know go two months without smoking weed it was always cold turkey and I always picked up drinking as a substitute. Yeah. And it's like day drinking, like, and writing, you know, and that's, do you find that there's like a, a, there's, I mean, there's like a justification in it because you think like, well, Fitzgerald did it or like, there's like, Oh, Hemingway did it all the time. Stephen King, you know, he doesn't write, he doesn't remember writing certain books apparently because he was so coked out. Is multiple stories that I've heard from people. Yeah, like <laughs> the third episode of Life in a Box, I was in a really busy season of my life and I had to write four songs in two days and I was just so drunk and high. I don't remember writing these songs and like, yeah. like I just cranked them out, like did like two 12 hour days and on day three, I like listened back and I was like, shit, these are good. And like Ernest Hemingway, there's a quote that's like, write drunk and it's sober, you know? So- <laughs> artists have always been connecting the creative process to substances and like definitely I've had some amazing ideas high on mushrooms that have made me go oh put it in the play put it in the play and they're and they're good right it's just that like you just can't live on those substances because they stop doing the thing that they used to do to you which is open up a different part of your brain let you see a different perspective alleviate your anxieties and your inhibitions so you can act you can access something authentic but when you mm-hmm. consume them regularly, when you're at the point where you're like, I can just drink a bottle of scotch in a day, like a Mickey or a two six and yeah. never really feel drunk. You're like, Oh, it, this isn't doing the thing it used to do for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And like stoners are always going, I'm on a tolerance break. Not because I'm trying to get sober, but because I no longer can get high and I need mm-hmm. to get high. Mm-hmm. So I need to take a day off or a couple hours off so that my tolerance lowers again. <sighs> It's so uh, it's crazy. Which it's then the you are of that sober is crazy. all the time. Yeah. 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 It's the casualness yeah. and the way we talk about that is crazy, which for me is like, I relate to that in like the casualness of drinking, right? Mm-hmm. And especially being in like both hospitality and in arts where they both go yeah. like this, you know? Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's booze and Coke. Like, 
that's just around like yeah yeah i know i know and it's it's i can see like i commend and admire the sober people in this business so much i'm like i don't know how you do it it's It's hard to be sober in this business i think oh man yeah Yeah. oh my god it's so normal to just like everybody's drinking wine wine let's meet over a glass of wine like love me some wine yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, i mean and that stuff is awesome like Again, yeah. I wish I could drink on, on evenings and weekends, but that's the problem is so much of being an artist is I'm unemployed and I'm addicted to the high of the theater and yeah. I don't have access to it. So yeah, I just feel depleted and like I need something, but I love the schedule of being rehearsal because it keeps me freaking sober. Like it just keeps me functioning and eating right. And yeah. when I don't have that, I'm just not good at giving myself the order and structure and adhering to it. I'm not, I'm not practiced at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. It's a lot to, it's a lot to take in and it's a lot to, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work on your mental health. I think (laughs) like it's Mm -hmm. a lot of your brain trying to constantly level itself out, like going from here to here Mm -hmm. and adding and yeah, it's an Mm -hmm. interesting Um, and that's the thing I'm like working on with my therapist is like, it would just be ideal that things weren't always like, everything's the best. All my dreams are coming true and everybody fucking loves me. And like, I'm trash and like life isn't worth living. Like, yeah, that's like a story. Yeah. Would be wicked. I would love to. (laughs) I would love to be normal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just chill. Just like vaguely content. Like ah, today was not great, but whatever. But I can leave at after five o'clock and then do my hobbies. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um. On that note, Landon, we have a question to ask you. Okay. Is being an artist fucking killing you? No. What does that even mean? It's not killing me. Like, sure. It's killing me. It's so hard. I, I can't I can't imagine being a fucking nurse right now. I'm like, like, I can't. You know. Like I, my life is so chill. Me and the bad hatters, like we say this thing now. When things start to get really stressful or we're trying to create something and people are arguing, we go, hang on, everybody. It's just theater. You know what I mean? There's a niche of people. We all care about theater. We're very passionate. We love it. But you know what? If the world was on fire, you don't need the theater actors. You need like, there are a lot more important people. So it's very hard, but it's very rewarding. And I think you just got to do the work to protect your mental health and make enough money that you're not stressed out about it. Because otherwise it's, it's such a fucking privilege to get to do, to be on a stage at Stratford. It's like, that's a dream come true. It's so cool. Like I, yeah. Yeah, you can't replace that. It's so cool. So it's not killing me. It's not killing me. (laughs) I have so many other questions, but we could be here for four hours. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm unemployed, so (laughs) amazing. Um, Well, thank you so much, Landon. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Maybe maybe a a round two will have to happen with you because it's so easy. It's been a great conversation. I'd love that. Maybe in the real world. Yeah, that'd be lovely when we open up again. It's a good idea. Yeah. Um, before yeah. we go, where can people find you if someone was interested in checking you out? Oh, geez. <laughs> I'm with the Talent House. That's my agency. Ah, cool. The Talent House. Love them. Hi, Bruce. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm at Landon Doak on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. That's about it. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Thank you yeah. so much for today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, let us know. Feel free to check us out on anywhere you stock your ex. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. Do all the things. Okay. Share us. And we'll see you soon. Gal Pal Prods, Gal Pal Productions. Mm-hmm. Happy 2022. Yeah. 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 I, here we are. January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.